because God wants the very best for us. Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. He's promised he's gonna walk through whatever the circumstances that are going on with us. Amen. Well, good morning. Great to be here. Great to be with you all. Excited to be continuing in this series even then. And uh, Pastor Tim kind of set the stage last week as we were in Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and seeing them in the fiery furnace. What's the phrase? My God, my God, and even if he doesn't, all right, you passed your pop quiz. Good job. Hey, we're going to continue on in that series. We're actually going to jump into the book of James. In the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through some of those passages and uh, just seeing how that pertains to worshiping no matter what. Even then, even then I will worship. And so I, I want you, if you could take a note, so write this phrase down here, okay? Frustration is a result of expectation, Frustration is a result of expectations. We jump into James 1, we're kind of going to see this kind of played out, and it's just a, a nice tie. This is a phrase, a, a concept that I actually learned a number of years ago in seminary in a leadership class, and actually later in James chapter 4, kind of walks through this uh, very pointedly, but frustration is a result of expectation. Anytime that you are frustrated, anytime that there is conflict between you and someone else, or any, any type of, of uh, difficulties that way, there's those frustrations, anger, there's always an unmet expectation. Frustration is a result of expectation. There's always an expectation. And part of the, the trick to, is finding out what is that unmet expectation that I have. And it's usually tied to a desire and some other things we can go into in, in another passage at another time. But frustration is a result of expectation. Now, open up your Bibles to James chapter 1, and we're going to see this here early on in this passage and, and, and see this uh, idea of the expectations that we have. And in James chapter 1, if you're taking notes here, point number one, count it all joy when you meet trials. Count it all joy when you meet trials. So James starts off here in verse 1, chapter 1, he says, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in dispersion, greetings. Okay, so here we see this letter and it's starting off here. He's introducing the author. Um, I wish he had given a last name. It would be a little helpful. But it says, uh, James, a servant of God and of Jesus Christ. Most people believe this is probably James, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus uh, that wrote this, as opposed to one of the apostles' disciples, James, and his brother John, and, but, but James, rather, his, his half-brother. James, it says, a servant of God and of Jesus Christ. The word servant there, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's the words in Greek, it's doulos, it's, it's, it means a, a bond slave, a bond servant. Literally, we could say what James is saying here is James owned by God. Owned by God. Boy, it's something there, that phrase there, just recognizing, again, talking about expectations of, of who we are in Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been bought with a price. You are owned by God. A servant of God and of Jesus Christ. And he says, to the 12 tribes in dispersion. 
And so the audience here, they're sending out this letter and it's going around. And these are Jewish believers that were on the run, that had been scattered throughout the region, mostly because of persecution. And so these are ones that have been kicked out of their homes and they're on the run. They're kind of laying low in many cases. And so James is writing to those Jewish believers that are out and about and that are in hiding, that have been under persecution. And then he starts off with his greetings. Or we would say, hello. This is for you. Okay, so what is it then? He jumps right in, man. James is kind of one of those, he pulls no punches. Okay, one of the things I like about James is, is there's this very clear cut. Okay, here you go. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. This is the first of 54 commands, imperative statements in the book of James. He's gonna say, here's, here's what it is. First of all, count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it, consider it, evaluate. Consider those trials joyfully, we could say. He says, consider that, and he says, consider it what? Joy. So what is joy? Joy, it's, it's gladness. It's happiness in spite of the circumstances. So literally, literally what, what he's saying is, he's saying, consider it with, with, with gladness when you have trials. Now, I don't know about you. But is that usually our go-to attitude when we're going through difficulties, right? It's a, it's a pretty profound statement he's saying here. Consider gladness, man. Be happy when you're going through those tough times, when you're going through trials. Believers, brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to others who are owned by God, who've trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord, made him Savior, made him Lord. You're in charge of my life. Save me from my sins. He says, when you meet trials of various kinds, when you meet, notice the word he did not use. He did not use the word if, right? He says, consider it with gladness when you meet trials. No if, it's going to happen. Everybody say it's going to happen. I agree with you. Remember, frustration is a result of expectation. What are the expectations do we have? Do we have the expectations that difficulties are going to come in our life? James makes it quite clear there's going to be those difficulties when trials come. And so what are these trials that are mentioned here? These are, these, these are external hardships. Uh, this is not talking about uh, internal temptations and those things. He's going to address that later uh, in the chapter and book as well. And so that's not really what it's talking about. It's talking about those, those external things, trials. Uh, one definition of, uh, of trials here, it breaks the pattern of peace, comfort, joy, happiness. In the verb form, the, the word trials, it means to put something to the test. A trial, we would say a problem, a difficulty. 
And so what, what are these difficulties? Remember, he's, he's talking to those that, that, are in, that have been dispersed, that have been on the run, that have been under persecution. And so he, he could be saying, hey, as you're under persecution, trials, and absolutely that applies, but he doesn't stop with just that. He says trials, what? Of various kinds. It may be persecution. It may be sickness. It may be difficulties. It may be problems with other individual. It may be work-related. It may be whatever the situation, whatever the difficulties, whatever the problems. That's what James is addressing here. And he's saying, look, count it joy. Consider it with gladness when you go through these tough times. Well, why in the world would we do that? Well, he's, he gives you an explanation for or because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Because you know, that Greek word there, it's literally the idea of you know by experience. That you know because you've experienced here that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith. See what just happened there? He says that he equated trials with the testing of your faith. When we go through difficulties, when we go through problems, James is saying, look, this is a moment where our faith is tested. Where what we believe about God, what we're willing to live out in our lives is put to the test. Literally, problems, trials are test to your faith. Trials also then pose a threat to your faith. How are you going to respond? Is your faith real? Is it something that, that, you, that you have built that's foundational in your life? Because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It produces, it works, it develops. It gives the idea of process that's taking place. When we go through trials, when our faith is tested in those ways but because of the difficulties in our life, it is working and developing steadfastness. Some of your translations may have another word for that, endurance. And that, that's really the idea there. It's, it's that patient endurance. It's the idea of we're kind of holding out is, is steadfastness. It's, it's endurance, but it's, uh, it's, it's endurance where you're longing for something better. There, there's a hope that's attached to this. It, it's hanging on because you know it's going to get better. And so we see here, the, the, be joyful in trials because of what is produced, and in this case, endurance, steadfastness. Now, let me just take a side note here. This does not mean, everybody say not, this does not mean that it doesn't hurt. Amen? It doesn't mean that there isn't pain that's involved in this process, and, and absolutely, when you're going through some tough times, there is pain many times involved in that. It's okay to say, ouch. It's okay to say, this is no fun. This is not, I'm not enjoying myself right now in the struggle. 
But at the same time, what James is saying, though, as we have our perspective and realize what's going on, but we can still be joyful. We can be still be, be happy and glad that what's taking place is because there's something bigger that's going on than whatever that little struggle is, that it's what is being worked and developed and what God is doing in our lives. And so uh, we know that it produces steadfastness. Here, uh, here are three bad statements to make when you're going through a trial. You ready? See if any of these sound familiar, because they all kind of sound familiar to me. Number one, why me? You ever thought that? When you're going through, or sometimes it's not usually when there's one issue, it's usually when there's three, four, five issues, right? Because it just kind of comes, and then something else comes, and then something else comes. Why me? We already talked about frustration's result of expectation. Really, the idea there is we have a, a faulty expectation. So many times we're going through life and we're just running along like we're expecting that everything is always going to be comfortable. Right? And anytime anything interrupts my comfort, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. Which leads me to say, why me? Or maybe this one, does God care? The first one, if it was tied to poor expectations, this would be a, a poor analysis. When we say, does God care? Absolutely, he cares. He loves us more than we can ever imagine. He cares so much that he doesn't want to just leave us where we are, but he wants to grow us to maturity. He cares so much that he's, that, that he's, he's doing a work in us, right? Why me, does God care? Or how about this one? This is so unfair, this is so unfair. When we start thinking about fairness, usually that's because we're looking around and trying to compare with other people. And we're saying, well, it doesn't seem like they're, boy, they don't have these problems here. Why am I, this is so unfair. And many times that drives us into a, into a pity party. Woe is me, I can't believe. Well, a couple of things. One, um, God's doing a work in me that may or may not relate, translate with what he's doing in other people. That's one thing. Two, you have no idea what other people are going through. And in what season and times and periods and you know what, you start looking around, you start playing the, the comparing game with there. That's, that's a bad plan. That's a bad plan. Why me? Does God care? This is so unfair. Let's continue on verse four. He says, so we've got this producing steadfastness, and then verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may pr be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So steadfastness isn't actually the end goal, it's the means to the end goal. And the end goal here is to have its full effect that you would be perfect or complete. We would say it this way, that you would be mature. Obviously, we're not going to be sinless, we're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. But it's saying that completeness there, that we're not lacking anything, he says in verse 4. And so we see that there are trials, there's testings in our life so that we can build endurance so that we can be, in goal, mature, complete, lacking nothing. Does that make sense? 
So we see here this, this, this process that's taking place in this, this, this completeness, this maturity is the goal. Literally what he's saying is you cannot be a mature believer without trials. So right now, everybody, adjust the expectations, right? We need trials. We need problems. We need difficulties because God's trying to grow us. God's doing something in this. God's right there with us in the process. We can be joyful. We can be glad that it's taking place even though it's painful, even though it's not pleasant in the moment, but we can still be joyful. We can still be glad because of the process that's taking place and the end goal that's coming. So we'll say it this way. Here are three battle cry statements when going through trials. Here's three statements here. Learn them, know them, say them, live them. Number one, you've probably heard this before. God has a <laughs> Remember, God has a plan. Whatever it is that's going through, it's a surprise to you, but it's not a surprise to God. Amen? He knew it was going to take place. He's still in it. And he's right there with you as you go through it. God has a plan. Number two, the, the second battle Christ statement is, grow me. Lord, grow me. Right? The Christian life, the process of sanctification, becoming more like Christ each day. It's that growth process that takes place. We need trials to grow. Amen? God has a plan. Lord, grow me. And then number three, for your glory. For your glory. In goal that, that, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up through it. I say it this way, kind of put it in a system, a sentence. Trust God for his glory and your benefit is the idea there. We can trust God for his glory and our benefit. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, we mentioned before, I did announcements a couple weeks ago as well and kind of showed a picture from the uh, missions trip to Turks and Caicos. So about three weeks ago, a group of us, 21 of us, uh, went down to Turks and Caicos to partner with uh, Harvest Bible Chapel, uh, Turks and Caicos. And uh, we're just continuing in this partnership. We actually have a group that is up here right now of high school students, 17 high school students and leaders that are here along with Pastor Kenyatta uh, as well. I think he'll be later in the services. And they're here for the uh, high school, the Ignite uh, summer camp. And so they're actually gone this morning. They're coming back for the 4.30 service, but they've been at camp there uh, as well. And so it's kind of a cool opportunity to kind of partner in some different ways. We were down there in Turks and Caicos and uh, see a uh, slide there. It's got some pics there. Uh, one of the big things that we did that week was this massive outreach to North Caicos Island and, and Middle Caicos Island. And uh, there was, we, we got in middle of the week and man, we kind of hit the ground running uh, we're actually probably a little busier than I even expected to be right away because we were helping to get prepared for that, helping them to prepare for that. Part of that was uh, this outreach that was going on all day there. Uh, people were coming in from the islands and there was just all these different stations were uh, just meeting different needs. Some of them was uh, just giving out. We had over 300 bags of fruits and vegetables 
We spent one whole day packing all of those <laughs> and then transporting them by ferry over to the island and getting it all set up. They had uh, uh, places where you could pray. They had medical things. They had kids stuff for the kids. They had all these different things. They had worship music that was going on and, and actually had the praise band and had a message in the middle of the, the day and stuff and just all kinds of things as they were doing this outreach here to uh, these two islands uh, of people. And so that, that was great. We were able to serve on Sunday uh, as well in the church as well and be able to be a part of those services. And, and so that was uh, cool as well. But one of the things that uh, probably, at least for me, impacted me the most, on Fridays, we went to North Caicos and Middle Caicos Islands, and we split into four different groups. And a couple of the pictures there, especially on the right side, uh, you see was from that, that Friday there. And as we were in these groups, we were going to, to make home visits. And uh, we were going in to, to visit shut-ins that were there, and, and I didn't really know what to expect in that, and kind of just said, hey, we're going to meet with some, some people that can't get out, and they're older folks mostly, and, and uh, just to be able to, to talk with them and to pray with them, and, and so we're going to split into groups and different teams and go out throughout the islands there. They had spots that were uh, uh, designated for that. And they took us. And so uh, I was in a group there uh, with uh, uh, several of our uh, single adults. And so uh, Ashley, uh, Lehman, uh, Carly, and Chloe, and Phil Tharps on the praise team as well, and uh, Aaron Lehman as well. And we, we had a guy that uh, we'd actually been in the schools earlier and done a little service thing in the schools as well. And he kind of had taken the lead in a lot of that and kind of led them in songs and that. It was pretty cool. Uh, one of the guys with the church there as well. And, and uh, so he was driving us to the places. He was from North Caicos, so he knew these people. Uh, and what we soon found out very quickly is they were, they were all believers. And, and, and they were folks that just couldn't get out and get to churches. And so as we go to the first door... And he says, hey, welcome, we got a group here, we're with uh, Harvest uh, Turks and Caicos, and we're uh, got a group from Summit Point Church, and, and we're going to hear, we're here to, to, to sing with you, and to share a little bit of scripture, and, and, and do a little service for you. Okay, I got a little concerned when I heard the word service. Wasn't exactly what I expected. And then he said, okay, so I, you know, he kind of was leading things previous to this. And so I thought, we're good. He'll, he'll just kind of, and so then he says, we're going to do this. And okay, so here you go, Pastor Steve. And he walks away. <laughs> and the first one, if you could have seen the look on my face, I'm just like, okay. So I did the only thing I could think of. I turned to Phil and said, why don't you lead us in a song? And then he had the look on his face. <laughs> And he immediately started singing Amazing Grace, can't go wrong, right? And so all the, the rest of us kind of uh, jumped right in with that and then uh, just uh, opened up and, and kind of uh, just read a passage of Scripture and, uh, and just kind of walked through that passage, kind of just a simple devotional type thing and, and prayed with and talked with a little bit. It, it was a good time. And then we... Uh, uh, said goodbye, we went and got into the car for the three-minute drive to the next stop, and we all scrambled. So now we're all just like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And believe it or not, we <laughs> ended up having 15 different stops where we did all this, and it, it, was, it, it, was, it was long. And, and, 
and we would go into these houses and many of them were, were bedridden and, and, and there's no air condition and that and you're going in and you're just sweating up a storm. But here's the thing. This was why this was my favorite part of the trip. Because as we were going in to minister to them and we would sing some songs and we got some other songs that we started singing and they would be singing the songs with us as they're laying in bed. And as I would read a passage and a lot of the different psalms, I started mixing it up because we got bored with it. The rest of them didn't want to hear me say the same thing over and over again, right? And so, but I would do a different psalm and they would be mouthing the words of the psalm because they had it memorized. And the smile that they had and, the, and what we found is we came to minister to them. But man, as you saw the joy in the midst of difficulties, it, it, was, it was just such an encouragement to us. And we were doing that other groups. You see uh, John Creekmer is up in that group and, he's been, and others were around. We all had different groups and just story after story after story of seeing people going through tough times. Some couldn't even get out of bed. But yet the, the joy of the Lord, the, the ability to still smile and worship and give praise to Jesus no matter what was going on. It was incredible to see. That's what James is talking about. Count it all joy. Consider it gladness when you're going through the tough times. Because God's doing a work. He's producing something. And he's bringing you to maturity. That's point number one. Point number two. Ask your God for wisdom. Ask your God for wisdom. He continues and says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask, let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. If any of you, everybody, uh, yeah, that's all of us, right? If any of you lack wisdom, we all do. Now, the lacking wisdom, and, and many times in the past, we always kind of see this passage and, and maybe even quote that verse, if you'll ask, uh, lack wisdom, ask of God. And, and in general, that's true. There's a whole lot of the book of Proverbs that's written. But really what's being talked about here and James is really drawing out. He's saying, look, in verse four, I want you to be uh, mature, complete, lacking nothing. And then he uses that very same word in the next sentence. And those that are lacking nothing, that's the goal there of steadfastness and trials, is that you would lack nothing. And if you lack wisdom, still connected into trials, see? And so if you're lacking wisdom in the midst of the trials, let him ask of God, who gives generously. It's kind of what, what it's saying here. So there's, it's connected here. It's still a part of the same uh, passage there. And so he says, if you lack wisdom, and, and, and that to ask of God, to, to immediately direct and say, Lord, help me through this trial. Help me to understand what was going on. Help me to understand how to respond, how to act, how to deal with the situation. And so ask of God who gives generously. 
God, he, he, without reproach, it says. It's not that God's sitting up there saying, I can't believe they don't know what to do right now. How dare them ask for that? That's not what God's doing. He's saying, just ask. I'm, I'm right here willing to, to give you all that you need to go through this struggle that you're in right now. And he'll give it to us generously. And that the, he'll, to give us wisdom uh, to empower us, that, to, to be able to endure those trials to, to be able to use that difficulty and grow to, to, to maturity. If any of you lacks wisdom, literally the, the definition is it's the application of knowledge. And the, the idea here is you're going through the trial and, and so that he would give you wisdom on how to handle the trial, the difficulty, the situation. If any of us lack wisdom... And so uh, the question I had immediately was, well, why don't I? Why don't I ask for wisdom so often? And, and as I started kind of going through that, and a lot of, a lot of different answers kind of started to come up and started to evaluate here, re- why I don't, sometimes I think it's because of fear. Because I'm not really trusting God. I'm not really trusting that God has a plan in this. I'm taken by surprise, and somehow I kind of assume maybe God was too. And, and there's fear in that, or, or maybe sometimes uh, it, it's my pride. I don't ask for God because, man, when the, when the problem comes, what's the first thing I do? I start coming up with uh, three different things that I can do to handle this problem. And I, I try to figure it out myself, and I start putting together my plan. And, and that kind of then usually ties with the, with the other area there. Sometimes uh, that why I don't ask for wisdom, it's, it's because um, I, I, of pain. I don't want pain. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And so I'm trying to figure out not how best to go through the, the, the difficulty, but I'm usually trying to think about how I can come up with a plan to avoid the problem, to go around the problem. Can you relate with that? When we ask for wisdom, what are we asking for? We're asking for the God-given understanding of the nature of the, of the trial and knowing how to live righteously and victoriously through the trial. Let me say that again. It's the God-given understanding of the nature of the trial and knowing how to live righteously and victoriously through the trial. How do I go through this trial in a way that is right and pleasing to God and that will allow God to work in me to to build and develop the things that he's trying to build and and develop in me, That, that patient endurance that's maturing me. Verse six, he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. He says, but, but as we ask for wisdom, there's a caveat to this. He says, but, but you need to ask in faith. You need to ask with a confidence that God's gonna do what God has said he's gonna do. We, we, we can ask in a way and, and trust in the sovereign God who is in control. 
It's not wishy-washy. It's not going back and forth. It's not, I believe, and then the next moment, no, I don't believe. No, I, I do believe. And that's kind of the idea of going back and forth and back and forth. And he says, literally, it's being tossed to and fro. It's not bouncing around between what God says and what God's plan is for our life and what God says in his word to, to, to maybe what the world is saying, what others are saying, or, or even worse sometimes, how I feel in the moment. And a lot of times, it's, it's, man, that's what really is coming down to. It's what God has for us versus how I feel. And so he goes back and forth in decision, usually uh, because we want to avoid the trial. Usually uh, it's 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 because we, we don't want it. And so so sometimes maybe this is you, but we say, okay, I'll ask God. But I may have to figure this one out on my own. That's what he's talking about. I, I believe, no, I don't really believe. Right? It's the back and forth. Verse 7, for the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So don't, don't just assume. He, he's not, uh, God's not going to just supersede our will and, and desire. But we have to trust that Jesus will provide according to his plan. Will not receive anything from the Lord Verse 8, he is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Literally, the idea there is when we're going back and forth and belief and unbelief and belief and unbelief with that lack of faith and we're bouncing between those two, literally saying we're unstable. We We have split personalities. You could say it this way. Two different versions of me that are diversely apart. Worlds apart there, and where I'm looking for answers. Instead of turning, instead of turning to God, we turn to others. We turn to our own logic, thought, desires, or feelings. And he says we become very unstable and immature. That lack of maturity as well. Hey guys, expectation. We're going to go through difficult times. Amen? But it's for a reason. It's because God's doing a work. Because God wants the very best for us. Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. He's promised he's going to walk through whatever the circumstances that are going on with us. And he's going to bring us out to the other side of that, more mature, with a closer walk with him. And it's only for a season. We just walked through the book of Revelation. We just finished up Revelation 21 and 22, guys. It is just for a small period of time. And then we don't have to worry about that anymore. The endurance is for a season. So three weeks ago, we were in Turks and Caicos and, and a part of that mission team. It was, it was an awesome experience. Came back here. I was home for a, a few days and able to 
get everything done that I didn't get done the week I was gone and try to get things ready and then uh, had a scheduled a uh, getaway uh, for kind of a guy's trip here we do once a year uh, where we go out uh, kayaking, kind of canoe kayak trip and doing some backcountry camping and <clears throat> been working on this a while and my son-in-law Brian and I uh, were going on this trip with um, some old friends, family uh, that we were meeting down in Kentucky and uh, we'd planned it all out and, and had the route. We're going to get on the Green River and uh, be several days. You just kayak. You go along. You do a little fishing while you're doing it. You stop wherever. You pitch a tent and just camp out in the middle of the woods and then back on. And it's just kind of a uh, fun trip that way. And uh, we, Brian and I, were leaving Monday morning to, down to Kentucky. And we got a, a, an hour down the road. And I get a call from uh, one of the other guys who says, uh, we have a problem. I just got an email and the, the livery that was supposed to drop us off where we would put in on the river and then come back to the spot. Uh, they just canceled. There was this big storm last night in Kentucky, massive thunderstorms, tornadoes that just ripped through southern Kentucky. And the river that's uh, normally nine feet deep and said, is actually, it's a little higher. It actually, by the end of that day, it got up to 29 feet. It had well spilled out into the, uh, <laughs> over its banks and that. And so, <clears throat> hey, I've already taken off. I got all this gear and food and everything packed. So we just kept heading south. And we're like, okay, well, we'll figure it out. So that, that got struck. So we ended up spending the night at the first place. And then we got up the next morning and and found another state campground on a lake and said, okay, we'll uh, do that. And so uh, we just hung out for the next couple of days. We just camped out on this lake. We took the kayaks out and just, just fished off of there. And, and it was not at all what I had planned, not at all what, is, what was expected, but the goal was to relax, and it was relaxing, mostly. And so <clears throat> we were out there, and the, so the first morning we get up there on that lake, and we go out, and man, and, and you got to understand, I'm not a fisherman. I, I don't fish to catch fish. I fish to relax right? It's just something. And we're sitting on these kayaks, and these are the kind of kayaks that you sit on top of. You don't get in them, and you can strap a lot of gear on them. It's great when you're on the river. Not so great maybe when you're in the lake, but uh, so we're there, and I'm just out in the middle of the lake, and we're casting, and I'm laying back, and I'm enjoying, and as the morning gets going, some boats start coming along on the lake, and there were some people water skiing and things, and then some of the things, I, it was, I had never seen it before, some of you guys, everybody I tell this to, they all go, yeah, of course, we've seen that, yeah. But they, they fill the ballast of a boat and drop it down in there into the water deeper, and they go plowing through there, and then somebody behind uh, surfboards, has a surfboard and is surfing behind it. And it's pretty cool when you see it. It's, it's, it's kind of surreal as they're out on this lake in Kentucky, but they're surfing. And you know, here's the problem with that, though. When you're not paying attention... And you're sitting on a kayak, and you're just doing this number, and they go by, and as it started off the first time, and I'm facing this way, and they're going this way, and I'm not even paying attention. When they do that, you know, to get those waves for the surfboard guy to surf behind, it makes some decent waves. And as those start to come in, and you're in a kayak, and you raise about three, four feet, and then drop three, four feet, 
you become very unstable. <laughs> and I, so what was really calm and relaxing ended up becoming sheer terror as I'm thinking, I do not want to get in. It's early morning. It's not even warm out yet. And I don't want to get into the water here. And you're doing this number. And then I come back and I'm studying this passage and he's saying, look, when we don't have faith and trust God in asking of wisdom, we are just like that. We are unstable. We're bouncing all over the place. We're not growing. God's not glorified by that. And so many times we just keep bouncing back and forth. And trial after trial comes. Why? Because it's God testing us and growing us. And we still haven't learned. Can you relate to that? Anybody there right now? I have been. I've been there before. Count it joy. Consider it with gladness when you go through those tough times, when you have problems. Because God's doing a work and you can trust him. And if you ask, he'll give you the answers to go through that trial. And you'll come out more mature and God is glorified through it. Amen. 